When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We are 42 days away from the opening of the Pittsburgh Penguins season and their matchup against the Arizona Coyotes on October 13th at PPG Paints Arena, and we are 21 days away from the opening of 2022 training camp for the Pittsburgh Penguins because it is officially September, the longest and slowest month of the hockey calendar is over, Horwat. And what is greeting us here on the first day of September? But some pretty good news for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mike Sullivan has signed a three-year contract extension with the team. Now, the caveat to that is he still had two years left on his current deal. So he is now signed through the 2026-27 regular season. Just a rundown of some of his accomplishments before we get into discussing it. Seven seasons as Penguins head coach, which is tied with Eddie Johnston for the longest tenured in Pittsburgh Penguins history. He does hold... Franchise records in most career regular season wins at 297, playoff wins at 44, is a two-time Stanley Cup champion head coach, and multiple top 10 finisher in Jack Adams Award voting for Coach of the Year. That's what Mike Sullivan has done in his seven years so far. Now he is signed for the next five seasons. Hora, what did you think of this news that came down earlier this week? It's great stuff. We're just, all of the bench bosses have been getting promotions, have been getting raises, new contracts. This is a great deal. I know the trendy topic and the trendy opinion is to question this contract and, and to raise concerns or bring up the failures of a play of a playoff victories recently. Um, who cares? Because let's be honest, he should have been up for Jack Adams the past two seasons. Um, the only thing that I really that made me scratch my head is I didn't know you could sign even coach. Like I know you can with players. I don't know you could sign coaches that far in advance. You can't sign players that far in advance either. Like you That's have to saying, wait yeah. until their, their last year of the contract. So I don't, I don't know why the, the rules are that different for, for coaches, but I, I guess they are. Yeah. That's right. That's the only thing I found weird about the whole thing. I mean, it's not like coaches count against the salary cap or we even really, readily available know how much he's making money wise so that's not important hope it's a fat check that he it's (laughs) that he wrote in himself that he can just make whatever he wants because he's proven to be the greatest coach in penguins history i think i forget how long bilesman was here for exactly six seasons five or six because he started in 2008 2009 and he ended in 2013-14 okay because I'm trying to remember how many seasons it took him to get to whatever amount of wins he got. And Mike Sullivan passed it in what seemed like much shorter time. I mean, I don't know the numbers exactly, but Mike Sullivan has proven to be the greatest coach in Penguins history. Why are you not going to extend him? And like I said, yeah, I get that I've seen that the trendy topic is to, dis- is to not enjoy this uh, or look at the downsides of signing Sullivan for another two years or three years past the first two he's already on um but again he's the long one of the longest tenured head coaches in the league why not stick him around a little longer because he has integrated himself as part of this core we talked about Mm -hmm. keeping the core around for a long time guess what he's done he's made himself a part of it as well yeah i would say that he's the unofficial fourth member of the penguins core right along with crosby malkin and Latang. Now, what you were saying there is a lot of people are saying, wow, five more years for a guy that hasn't won a playoff series in four seasons. Yeah, I think I agree with the fact that it is an ambitious signing. I mean, five more seasons. But also a guy like Josh Yowie, who covers the Penguins for the Athletics, said a very good point when he said, listen, the Fenway Sports Group, if all the wheels fall off, they have the money to just be like, all right, you're fired. We'll pay out the remainder of your contract, but get out of here. 
Like, they have the money to do that. Do I think that's going to happen? No, that's not going to happen under Mike Sullivan's watch, and, and specifically under Sidney Crosby's watch, because still, the core of this team, the ones that play on the ice, are very talented hockey players. So we know for a, for a damn fact that the next two seasons are going to be good, are going to be playoffs most likely and have a chance to be more than that and Mike Sullivan talked about as much in his press conference right after making this agreement with the Pittsburgh Penguins on an extension so I don't think the wheels are going to fall off I do think he is one of the best coaches I said top five yesterday friend of the show state of hoppy corrected me and said honestly top three coaches in the National Hockey League and I, I wouldn't argue with that fact now there are people that are saying hey he doesn't doesn't have the the playoff success, and I'm like, do you forget the fact that this guy won two Stanley Cups in his first two seasons? And people are, are of course, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately thing, which all sports are, and he hasn't won around in the first in the last four seasons, but when you look at those four seasons, I don't think coaching contributed to very much of those failures. No, it didn't. It was the fact that we had, this past season, a third-string goalie in, and we didn't have our captain for yeah. a game and a half. And the year before, it was the fact that our goaltending couldn't figure it out for one reason or another. Let's go back a year before. Uh, pandemic, weird year. Matt Murray. Again, why, the, the, the problems keep coming back to goaltending, but there were other problems plaguing the Penguins in the bubble, let's mm-hmm. just be honest. Um, and then you go back to the one more before that. I, I have no answers for the first Islanders year. I don't, but that happens because, let's be honest, that was our first year after... I mean, yeah, we lost to the Capitals the year before, but at least we absolutely demolished the Flyers and added on another series victory before going into a capital series that wasn't bad. It's not like we played horribly. We were just tired. Mm-hmm. Then you go into the Islanders' year. I have no, That's like the one I have no answers for, but you're going to get duds sometimes. You're not going to be a yeah. perfect playoff team. You're not going to be a perfect playoff coach. You're going to have duds every now and again. And that was Mm -hmm. far enough in the past now that you forget about it. And then, also not making excuses, but we kind of have excuses ever since. So, Yeah. And not to go too far back into history because it doesn't deserve to have that much of a stand on what we think today. But he won his first nine playoff series as Pittsburgh Penguins head coach. He has lost the past five. But when you look at the last two, goaltending makes or breaks a coach in this league. And that broke the Pittsburgh Penguins the past two postseasons. First was Tristan Jari. Second was Louis Domingue. So now we have to wait and see. Obviously, that's on Ron Hextall now, whether or not Tristan Jari is able to be available and play up to the level that he can. And also Casey DeSmith, because he hasn't been available for either of the past two postseasons as an option. I don't know if that would be any better, but that's a discussion for another day. But I, what I want to do now is show a quick clip of Mike Sullivan from his press conference. The video comes courtesy of the Pittsburgh Penguins on Twitter, where he discusses what it means to him to continue coaching the Pittsburgh Penguins. And and to, to be able to continue the journey with these guys and our new ownership group and, and our new management team for me is, uh, it, it, it's hard for me to put it into words. I just, uh, I'm so excited about uh, the opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to, face the challenges that we have ahead of us. I'm excited about training camp this year. Uh, our coaching staff is uh, is meeting starting tomorrow as a group for the next three or four days uh, to prepare for, for our upcoming season. Uh, I'm so excited to, to meet with these guys. And and, uh, and it, it's just, uh, it's hard for me to put it into words. It, it just means the world to me. That is Pittsburgh Penguins head coach Mike Sullivan on what it means to him to continue to be the head coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he also mentioned earlier in that press conference, he said the word that he was honored to remain coach of the Penguins for the next five seasons. And I think a lot of Penguins fans and Penguins faithful and and mostly the people that pay attention to this team on a day-to-day basis understand the importance of having a really good bench boss, especially in a league where longevity is something that you don't get from that position. Yeah, yeah, you don't. It's he mentioned that there's a finite number of coaches, mm-hmm. and he's one of them. And yes, the joke in the NHL is that they keep shuffling in and out the same 35 to 36 names yeah. behind the bench and in, uh, in the front office. But he's in that elite group, and there's one thing that's for certain, regardless of if it was 35, 36 names or more, if they really did broaden it out and start hiring new people. 
like you said, you were told, Mike Sullivan would land in the top three. He would. He was going to coach Team USA. The World Cup of Hockey is coming back. He's probably going to coach that for Team USA. Um, he's, on an international scale, he's recognized. So this is more than just him being a great coach in the NHL. And it is much more than just, oh, he has Crosby and Malkin in front of him. That's mm-hmm. great. And it helps a lot, sure. But he he also doesn't chalk up his coaching success to those guys. He chalks up mm-hmm. to other guys that he's coached with, like Rick Tockett, like Jacques Martin and Mark Recchi. Mm-hmm. He's coached with some names. It's fun that he's been able to do this. And he is one of the top three coaches in the league. I'm excited to see what he can continue to do here. Mm-hmm. Now, in that same media availability, he had a Mike Sullivanism that is bordering on a Mike Tomlinism, and he was discussing the championship window for the Pittsburgh Penguins, the age of the core, of course, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, all over the age of 35 at this point. He said, quote, we're getting older, but we're not old. What do you think of that Mike Sullivanism is what I guess we'll call it. I think Taylor Haas has called that. Uh, on Twitter, but what do you think of that? We're getting older, but we're not old. So first of all, I want to know what uh, post-hardcore band he got that from. <laughs> Secondly, I think that's a that's a vote of confidence for the guys. Because yeah. surely they've all been hearing all summer about how, well, how are you going to sign a guy at the age of 35 to 6 years? How are you going to sign a guy at the age of almost 36 for 4 years? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? They've, You know they've been seeing that and feel, probably feeling older themselves. Mm-hmm. Not when you're head coach, a guy that, I mean, the team seems to love him. I mean, the team's not, like, angry at him. The team probably wants to run through a wall for him. When your leader like that says, we may be older, but we're not old, suddenly you feel younger. Suddenly you feel like, okay, my peer or not peer my boss almost still has that confidence in me the crowd may not but that's not who we're you know who we should be taking opinions from i think it was a vote of confidence because we can all recognize yeah everyone's getting older there we can all recognize that yeah well everyone's getting older in the world like it's 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 a very common state like a common thing everybody's getting older it's just the way it is we can admit that the team is getting older yeah. But the fact that your leader is saying to you, you're still not old, though. Age is but a number in this situation whenever Crystal Tang is going to still put up damn near 30 minutes a night. Get ready for it. When Evgeny Malkin's going to come back and possibly lead the team at points. Get ready for it. When Sidney Crosby is still going to be Sidney Crosby. There are things that you can fall back on with a quote like that that says, yes, we can recognize age is ha- aging is happening. But in it has to be their mindset. It cannot actually be them playing like their age. Yeah, I just think he was watching too many Mike Tomlin press conferences throughout training camp, so he, he pulled that one out of a hat there during his media availability. I, I understand it. I, I think it's a funny comment to make, obviously. Like, ah, we're, we're getting older. Like, no shit. Everybody's getting older. I, I did, I did hear uh, but they're not old. the standard every now and again, too, so... Yeah, he mentioned the standard of Pittsburgh Penguins excellence and stuff like that. Yeah, this guy is definitely feeding off the Mike Tomlin train of media availabilities. But the last thing I want to talk about before we move over to talk a little bit about Evan Rodriguez, because he was in the news earlier this week. Let's discuss this last question that I want to ask you, Horwat. Will Mike Sullivan win a Jack Adams award in the next five seasons with the Pittsburgh Penguins? You know what? If he didn't get nominated for for one this year, I just don't see it happening. I don't because, first of all, it doesn't matter. Let's just start right there. It does not matter if he wins one or not. It's just a nice little mark to have on your resume. Um, It's kind of what killed Dan Bilesma's career in a way. (laughs) So I'm not too worried about it superstition-wise. But I just don't think it will because this would have been the most worthy year for him to do it. Um, and somehow he didn't get nominated. He was in the running of the top three or four the entire season. Yeah, and then he finished eighth. Yeah, somehow, some way. <laughs> so I think the only way for it to happen is if he literally loses all three of the core and still makes the playoffs. I feel like that might be the only way that these... Is it NHL writers that vote on it? Vote on that one? I'm not 100% certain, but that sounds right. 
So that might be the only thing that'll get him to vote on or get him into that conversation just because um, people are stingy. Whoever votes on it does look at the fact that he has, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. Crosby and Malkin and Latang on his team and say, well, he's got a great team in front of him. What, what do you expect him to do? Yeah. Okay, well, guess what? Evan Rodriguez was the only player to play 82 games last season, and he yeah. sucked for <laughs> half of them. So yeah. he does deserve one. But I just don't see it happening because, I mean, like I said, these these voters are stingy. Yeah, I want to say yes to this question. I want to say he does win a Jack Adams Award in the next five seasons. But I don't know, man. Like you said, he has deserved a little bit better results than he's gotten already. But I think when you combine the fact that, yes, that core is aging, so people are starting to take the Penguins less and less seriously. Like, I don't think anybody's counting them out as much as they did a couple seasons back. But people are still saying, okay, they're the Penguins, but they're over the age of 30 when it comes to overall age. They're getting older, not just with their core, but, you know, Jeff Carter's older, Brian Dumlin's older, they brought in Petrie, he's over the age of 34. So people are starting to already have that shadows of doubt. If the Penguins can go out and, say, win the President's Trophy for the second time in franchise history, and then every other team does exactly what is expected of them, no more, no less, then maybe Mike Sullivan gets a Jack Adams. But if just one team, like if the Buffalo Sabres or the Detroit Red Wings sneak into a playoff spot, people are going to be like, oh my goodness, how did they get there? Coaching is a masterclass there. Meanwhile, the Penguins have a President's Trophy winning team for the second time in franchise history with 35 plus year olds as their mainstay. And people will still look down on that. And I think that's just the way that national media views superstar led teams is coaching is not as important. But when you see a guy in Mike Sullivan who is heading into his eighth season, who right now is on contract to potentially coach this team for 12 seasons, you have to start realizing that he is really important, not just a side piece to the Pittsburgh Penguins' success. Yeah, and also it's the NHL Broadcasters Association. So that's okay, so not writers, but broadcasters. Yeah, it is still the national media, if you will. Yes. Um, and it, it genuinely, or generally, turns out to always go to the coach who, hey, your team wasn't supposed to be good this year and you made the playoffs. Here you go. I mean, who won it this past yeah. year? I don't even remember now. I don't... Oof. Yeah, I can look that up, but I, I don't remember off the top of my head. I remember Gerard Gallant was nominated. Um, was it the head coach of the Stars? I don't remember. No. I don't think. Because Rick, Rick Bonus got fired, so I, I doubt it was. Um, but I'll look it up real yeah, quick. Yeah, because if you go back to years prior, I mean, generally it's supposed to be, the, or at least the nomination mm-hmm. is supposed to be, hey, your team wasn't supposed to be good, and yet you were good. But then you do look yeah. at who they usually have winning. Rod Brindamore won in uh, 21 Bruce Cassidy for the Bruins in 20. Barry Trotz, I mean, that team wasn't supposed to be good, but there they were in 19. So generally, that is how it goes. Like, the team wasn't supposed to be good. Like, Gerard Gallant winning with Vegas. Yeah. No, that yeah. that team was not supposed to be good in their first year, and they went to the cup final. Now that voting happens before the playoffs. But they made the playoffs with a yeah. quote-unquote ragtag group of guys. With that, No, that's not how it works. But, you know, spiel over. The Golden Who, Misfits. Yeah. <laughs> spiel over who won that who won this past season because i just don't remember daryl sutter of the uh, calgary flames they were supposed to be good but not as good as they were so yeah that's how that rolls and i like that choice too uh jacob markstrom having 10 shutouts in the month of basically october and november uh helps that a lot yeah and i don't hate that choice either again sullivan deserved to be nominated in that in, in this past season but uh, he, he may have even had a better season than, than sutter yeah So congratulations to Mike Sullivan. We're going to move forward here on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. When we come back after this quick break, we're going to talk about Evan Rodriguez because he is still unsigned as a free agent and the Penguins have shown a little bit of interest in their former player. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Horwat, you had this story for InsideThePenguins.com when talking about Evan Rodriguez, currently still a free agent. I would think the top free agent left on the market heading into September. 
According to ESPN, Greg Zwischinski, Erod has changed agents, now being represented by Darren Ferris. And according to Ferris, there are seven to eight teams that have showed interest in Evan Rodriguez, two to three of which he believe are good fits. Now, when it comes to the Pittsburgh Penguins, who were also mentioned to have interest in bringing back the services of Evan Rodriguez, I feel like he considers them one of the good fits just because he's found success there and he's probably very comfortable in Pittsburgh. Definitely very comfortable. Definitely has seen some sort of success. And we all are well aware that Darren Ferris can just be hard to work with sometimes. Also, Mm -hmm. Ferris did mention that uh, teams are trying to figure out cap situations and cap constraints, which the Penguins are definitely one of those teams at the moment. We are one body over the roster limit with over a million dollars to to pop off. I believe it's 1.4 that they have to cut down. So adding a name, even if it's a small contract, like let's say Evan Rodriguez gets league men somehow, which he's not going to, <laughs> but let's no. say that happens. We're still over. Like there, We can't add a, any sort of contract and expect us to go down. We have to do some shuffling, and it's going to take a little bit more than just sending a guy down or sending two guys down to chop off that money because then we have to then add it's gonna be it's pretty much just a chess match we have to play with ourselves and figure it out in my opinion i'm not super into the rodriguez idea that is just me again i'm sorry the back half of last season left such a sour taste in my mouth i get that we all got hyped up for the first half i get that we all got hyped up for point per game evan rodriguez but we, I knew when it was happening that that wasn't who, what the player he was. And I think mm-hmm. I always felt that that second half is closer to what kind of player Evan Rodriguez is. That's just me. Mm-hmm. Now, he might be a great locker room guy. He might have just lost his confidence. And I get that that happens. Look at Casper Kapanen all season. Um, but you have to find the confidence and maintain it. Maybe a new deal does that for him. I just don't want to see him utilized. I mean... <laughs> On the first line, like he had to be this past season for for reasons, or but the season before he was utilized on the first line for for why? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I when I look at Evan Rodriguez and I think about this entire situation, first of all, obviously the Penguins would welcome him back with open arms because they had loved having him on the roster. When I look at the situation, though, as you mentioned, in order to do this. They're going to have to send down three guys and get Rodriguez on a very cheap deal just to make it fit, unless there's a trade incoming, which might be the case, but we're just not sure at this moment in time who that would be or when that would even occur. So you would have to play with probably 21 players on your roster, which is not a good bounce back. If you have an injury, you have to only have one guy in the press box ready to go at a moment's notice. That's a that's a precarious position to put your team in, even though I do think the team would overall be better with Evan Rodriguez back on the roster. Because like you mentioned, he plays center. He can play the wing. I understand that the back half of last season was awful. Like the fact that he didn't reach 20 goals is is borderline criminal, but I think he really did make up for it with the way that he played the postseason. He showed that, hey, he still has that level. He just needs to get to it. Now, doing that at a consistent basis, that's what gets you paid in this league. And I know that's what he's looking for this offseason. Obviously, everybody looks to make the most money, but if he's going to come back, it's going to have to be a similar situation to Danton Heinen where he looks out at these teams that have interest. And I'm sure these teams are offering up more money than the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to offer. But you have to look at that situation and be like, okay, do I want more money or do I want to take one year deal, wait for the salary cap to hopefully jump up, more teams to be willing to spend more money and bet on myself again with an organization that I've proven I could be successful with and they will put me in positions to be successful. That's the decision that that Evan Rodriguez has to make now. So between the Pittsburgh Penguins, I'm sure that they're welcoming him back with open arms and let, let's not lie. We're sitting here looking at the salary cap situation and saying, this is there's no way they're going to be able to do this. It's going to be very difficult. They have guys that literally get paid salaries to figure this out. They'll figure it out if they can end up making it happen. I think it's possible. I think it's something the Penguins would love to see happen. I think it's something that Evan Rodriguez in the back of his mind thinks is one of his best opportunities. But I also think you, you mentioned in your piece, the Calgary Flames are another team. He would also fit very well in that Daryl Sutter system. Maybe not as offensively high-powered as he's allowed to be in Pittsburgh, 
but also the fact that he is a pretty good two-way center, and Daryl Sutter will just hammer that home on a team that needs center depth. So it's an interesting situation with him. Last season, he had 43 points at 82 games. He was the lone recipient of the Iron Penguin Award winner, meaning he was the only player to play in all 82 games last season. So we all know the best availability, or the best ability is availability, excuse me, and he has certainly provided that. So it's really interesting that the Penguins at this juncture with 21 days, three weeks until training camp starts, are starting to pop up as a team interested in Evan Rodriguez, one of the best free agents left on the market. Yeah, I'm shocked that he still hasn't found a team. One thing, too, that you have to look at with Evan Rodriguez, and you don't, never mind, you don't want to look at it this way. Um, the fact that he scored more points, despite it only being in the first half, really, than Evan Rodriguez and Kasperi Kapanen. Or, sorry, Denton Heinen and Kasperi Kapanen. Yeah, I was about um, to say, wait, he scored more than himself? That's insane! Yeah, pretty much. No, he, <laughs> but he outscored Kasperi Kapanen specifically, who managed to still gain a $3.2 million contract. Yeah, that, I mean, that still doesn't make sense to me. But Danton Heinen scored one more point than him and earned a $1 million contract. So that that really does leave Evan Rodriguez in a place of he could get anywhere. I mean, he scored 10 more points than Heinen. Sorry, nine, mm-hmm. 11, 11, 10, 10. I can't read today. He made t- Math is difficult. Yeah, I was trying. I'm just <laughs> looking at all of the numbers, and there's people in between, so it was a little more confusing. But he scored 10 yeah. more points than um, Heinen did. So, if you're really trying to gauge a contract based on how many points these guys scored, that apparently doesn't mean anything because Kasperi Kapanen scored 32, 11 goals for $3.2 million in two years, no less. Danton Heinen, 18 goals, 15 assists for 33 points, gets a one-by-one one, one somehow. Yeah. So, that leaves Rodriguez with 19, 24, 43 to make almost whatever he wants with this team but you have to really again like i'm gonna say look at the back half of that year and chop a number off of that contract you really do in my eyes i get he did well in the playoffs which awesome love that sucks we didn't win to see if it could continue seven games as well seven games in the playoffs is a lot and it is playoff uh experience and he played well in those seven games it's not a big enough sample size to really get an idea of what he could have done in the postseason Especially considering he played in one game previously in the playoffs? Uh, I I don't remember. Uh, Yeah, I don't remember how many games he had played. Played two last year uh, with one assist. Yeah. Here's the thing about Kasperi, or not Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, Well, yeah, no, here's the thing with Kasperi Kapanen. We'll go there. Uh, The reason that he also got more of a contract, I know it, it plays a factor. It's not the sole reason. He was a restricted free agent instead of an unrestricted free agent. Heinen also was restricted at first, but the Pittsburgh Penguins reportedly didn't want to pay him $3 million. So they didn't tender him an offer. He went to free agency. It worked out for the Penguins because they got Heinen back at $1 million, but that is a severe pay cut that Heinen took to come back. You would need the same exact thing to come from Evan Rodriguez. And if not, you're talking about, and we mentioned maybe a trade, but like, who is that going to be? We talked on Monday about, Marcus Pedersen can't really be traded with the way that the Pittsburgh Penguins look at left defense, which also means Brian Dumoulin probably can't be traded either. And those are your two really only candidates to open up space on the back end. So maybe even a a guy like Brock McGinn gets shifted out because when I look at what McGinn has done, I think he's much better than what he showed last season because he was interrupted so many times, injuries, COVID, stuff like that. When that happened, his play really deteriorated. But I also look at the fact that a lot of these younger guys coming into the roster, a guy like Drew O'Connor, a guy like even Drake Kajula, a guy like Alex Nylander, they can play that role. You know, especially if you're doing that, if you're getting rid of McGinn in order to bring Rodriguez back, because there you there you have a penalty killer. Like, that fills that role, which is what McGinn truly brings to this roster more than anything. So, I don't know if you trade McGinn. I don't know what the cap penalty would be if you forced him through waivers down at the minors. But that's really the only shoe that would have to drop in my eyes that I can see from here for Evan Rodriguez to come back. I mentioned he's one of the best free agents remaining on the market. The other one of of real relevance is Sonny Milano, the 26-year-old left wing, played with the Anaheim Ducks last year. Those two are probably the cream of the crop about what's remaining. Sam Gagne is available. Tyler Ennis is available still, but those aren't guys that you think the Pittsburgh Penguins would go out and get. There's a 
a bunch of former Penguins that are also on this list. Alex Galchenyuk, Daniel Sprong, Derek Brassard. There's a couple more. Let me go. Zach Aston Reese is available. Dominic Simone. And uh, big-time Pittsburgh Penguin, James Neal, still on the open market. Played last year in the AHL. But, yeah, Evan Rodriguez is clearly the player that's going to move the needle the most out of all of those guys. Daniel Sprong still needs a contract? Why have we not been, like, blowing up his phone? Uh, because we like people that actually play defense. Listen, not anymore. Not anymore. Um, I mean, for the bottom six, yeah, we already have enough top six guys that, that play offense and not defense. We don't need a, a bottom six guy that doesn't play any defense. Right, we don't, no. We, we do need the, the defensive-minded player to slip in there. But what what that that brings me to one last thing that I want to ask. Where would you put Evan Rodriguez in the lineup for 2022-23? Because, you know, he played in the top six last year. He, he played in the bottom six. He played center. He played winger. Where does he fit with this current lineup? I know the forward lineup's basically the same, but you have to imagine that, I mean, would you drop Zucker out of the top six? Would you then also drop either Heinen or Carter, or cap it into a fourth-line role? Like, I don't know where you put him in because you don't bring him back to be a fourth-liner. See, the issue is that I still look at Evan Rodriguez as a bottom-six player, and I feel like our lineup at this moment is full of bottom-six players. Like, we talk about our top six, yeah. you know, Crosby, uh, Malkin, and Crosby, Malkin down the, down the middle, Gensel and Rust on the wings, Raquel, and that's... Those are the top, the only five, ironically, top six forwards I really see on this or, in this organization right now, whereas everyone else filters into the bottom. Jason Zucker just needs to get healthy, and then he can plop right back into that role. Mm-hmm. But until then, I'm seeing him as a third line, almost HPK style, where he's a good player and can play in the top six, but we don't have the space for him, but at the moment, he's up there. Um, and then you look at everyone else. Jeff Carter, old, bottom six. Bluger, he needs to get up there, but bottom six. Kapanen just had a failure of a season, bottom six. Heinen, he could slip up there. He could absolutely pop into that top six role, but needs to find the ground and consistency to completely hold on to that. So he's a middling guy. Maybe he flies up there. And then that's where, like I said, Evan Rodriguez flies in. I'd say at this point, the most he does and where he fits is knocking Josh Archibald off the top 12. I, I wouldn't put Archibald in the top 12 to begin with, but yeah, yeah, he would. He absolutely would. Then Ryan Paling's going to be, keep forgetting, Ryan Paling's going to be a guy. He's going to make this yeah. top 12, maybe, possibly. Brock McGinn, yeah. bottom, bottom six again. So it's all very interesting, whereas yeah, that Rodriguez would fit. Yeah, with the, with the signings that Ron Hextall made, this summer, it kind of seems like he didn't think this would be on the table with Evan Rodriguez because he made a lot of signings for the bottom six that are, hey, it's quantity over quality. Like Ryan Paling, sure, he has the opportunity and he has the ability to potentially be a really good bottom six piece, but hasn't quite showed it in Montreal. Drake Jula, same thing that happened with him in Buffalo and Edmonton. Josh Archibald is a bottom six piece, not necessarily a guy that is going to move the needle, but hey, he's a guy. And that's kind of been the storyline throughout the offseason. I mean, even Drew O'Connor is a guy that, yeah, he could be a bottom six guy. He could also be a guy that should be in the AHL. We just don't know yet. It's too early to tell with him, and he's a young player. So when you look at that frame of mind that you have to imagine Ron Hextall was in, you don't assume that Evan Rodriguez was, was in the plans. But if he ends up being in them, I think at the end of the day, it only helps the Pittsburgh Penguins to bring him back if they can afford to do it because, like you mentioned, there's going to be injuries. It happens every season, especially with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And a guy like Evan Rodriguez can plant into literally all 12 spots on the forward lineup. So that's never a bad thing to have a guy like that. Also, the fact that he was a 19-goal scorer last year, regardless of when he scored the goals, it's a guy of, of that caliber that you want to have back in your lineup. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll finish this one. Like we finish every single Thursday episode with our shout outs and call outs.
Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com, featured on Sports Illustrated Fan Nation. I also want to shout out, before we get into our official segment, shout-outs and call-outs, I want to shout-out the podcast Rangers Ed for having me on earlier this week. Three guys all named Ed. I'm, as far as I can tell, they're all they're all related, but definitely all New York Rangers fans. We had a nice conversation about the budding return of this rivalry between the Penguins and the Rangers, talked a little bit of Jacob Truba, talked a little bit of Sidney Crosby, talked a little bit of basically everything between the Rangers and the Penguins, so go check that out again. That is Rangers Ed. They're on both Twitter and Instagram, and you can find their podcast wherever you get your podcast from. So let's get into shout-outs and call-outs, Horwat. Since I let off last week, I will let you lead off this week with your shout-out. Cool. I wanna. Uh, we talked about... Uh, the trendy topic is to not like the, the Mike Sullivan signing. The trendy topic also in Pittsburgh right now is to not like what O'Neill Cruz is doing. I enjoy it. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I'm shouting out O'Neill Cruz for just beating the hell out of baseballs. I get <laughs> that he strikes out a whole hell of a lot. I've never seen anyone strike out that much in that quick a consistency. Um, but when he does make contact, despite not hitting over the Mendoza line, boy, do those things move. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, three... Oh, I forget which which game it was, but he had... It was against the Brewers. Uh, with the, was that the... Yeah, because it was the Brewers game that they uh, blew the lead for. Three hits all over 111 miles per hour. You know how fast that is <laughs> to fly off the bat? Listen, old heads are going to get mad at this player because uh, he's not hitting above the Mendoza line, which, don't get me wrong, that upsets me too. Um, yeah, but that'll come with consistency. That'll come with time, hopefully, and hopefully he just starts swinging at smarter pitches. And yeah, just, I've been watching him strike out. Looking, I've been watching him strike out badly. But at the same time, when he makes contact, that sucker moves. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to say about it. He has a cannon of an arm too. Still throwing balls away, but that's what you're going to get out of a rookie, I guess. I think there is a lot to be angry about with what. O'Neill Cruz does and with what this organization is doing with young players mm-hmm. but for what it's worth at the moment he's at least going to be a ton of fun we know he's got the brightest future of anyone I think on this in this organization mm-hmm. and can really be something if he just hones it all in gets it all put together imagine these 115 mile an hour balls if they are solid contact he's still not making it doesn't seem like he's making solid contact with these balls these pitches and they're flying i'm excited to see i'm going to the game saturday i'm excited to see uh what exactly this kid looks like in real life and in person to see him gun a ball from short to first also every time michael chavis makes a catch at first it looks like his groin is about to pop in half Mm -hmm. but just watching this six foot seven monster play baseball should be entertaining and Mm -hmm. i don't know i like that he's hitting the ball hard that's all you can ask for out of a guy right I mean, you could ask him to, to hit it and play a little bit more often than he you does. And I understand that. But, like, he's, like you mentioned, he's a very young player. It's his, he's, his rookie season. Like, he, he made an appearance last year for, like, five games. Two. I think it was uh, only two. Two? Two games. Okay. Even so, this is his first season. Not even a full season because he played in the minors for the first two months or three months or whatever it was because baseball's forever long. But, no, I mean, yeah, you would like him to hit over 200 you would like him realistically to hit over 250 but when he's as talented as he is like give it some time it's not like pedro alvarez where he's 18 years not 18 nobody's where he's five six years into his career but he's still swinging at these horrendous pitches like you can teach him a little bit more and he can sharpen up the edges and become a really good player so i i I get it and i I get why people are like he's still not good because he's not hitting over 200 but he's still a prospect like, and the P- Pittsburgh Pirates don't have anything else really to be excited about. But so that's a reason he's playing and getting through all this in the majors. Cause when he goes to the minors, he just tears everything up. Like it, he's graduated from that point, but he's not yet to the point where he's, I mean, he hit those three balls off of Corbin Burns, Corbin Burns, one of the best pitchers in baseball. He is just absolutely hammering it around the yard. 
And he's honestly been a monster against the Brewers, which is, if you're going to do it against anybody as a Pittsburgh Pirate, do it against them or the Cardinals. So, and before we move on, I will say Michael Chavis is an absolute certified dog. I love that guy. I hope he stays with the Pirates because the dude, despite, again, also not being the greatest of hitters, is one of the better hitters on the team and just an absolute, just great baseball player and great personality for the team. He's one of the few guys that it looks like he enjoys being here. You know, yeah. he's just enjoying playing the game. Yeah, he's got he's got a certain confidence to him, despite being a Pittsburgh Pirate. So that's that's always a, a good quality to have. That doesn't come from any players here, man. Brian Reynolds, as good as he is, I hope he's enjoying it here. Uh, Brian Reynolds is very stoic. Yeah, though. it's not like he shows emotion very often. I think that's exactly what it is too. It's just stoic. Key Brian Hayes. I mean. What happened to him? Is he still a good player? Really? I haven't heard his name a lot this year. He's got, what, two home runs? Yikes. Gold gold glove caliber. But again, sure same so. thing with every other pirate is uh, needs to be better at the plate. Yes. <laughs> Listen, everyone's been needing to be better at the plate this year. Daniel Vogelbach was a ton of fun. Also, another thing about Daniel Vogelbach, uh, he's going to be an all-star next year just because he's in front of the national media. Yeah, probably. Because that's the way the baseball works. I appreciated that the first two weeks of Vogelbach in, with the New York Mets was, look what he could do. And everyone in Pittsburgh was just, we know he's been doing that the entire season. <laughs> Where have you been? We know. Like, we, we know. We know how great he is. Enjoy him. We sh- you should have given us more for him, to be completely honest. But no, uh, my shout out is just a very general sense of the word football. Football is back tonight. The backyard brawl, Pitt versus West Virginia. Pitt ranked 17th, the highest preseason ranking that they have had since 2011 when they were ranked 15th. So I'm excited for this. I mean, a couple of great games over the weekend. We got Ohio State, Notre Dame. That should be a lot of fun. We got Georgia, Oregon. That should be a lot of fun. And then in one week from today, the Buffalo Bills take it on the LA Rams at SoFi Stadium, the NFL is back. It's just a great time of the year for sports fans. I'm enjoying watching EPL, English Premier League. Baseball is getting, you know, a lot more fun. Timmy Trumpets at the Mets game was hilarious. Again, another yesterday. player that mediocre at best, not on a nat, not on the national scale. Yeah. Well, he's doing great things, making great content for the internet. So I, I love Edwin Diaz. Uh, and also, like I said, Penguins training camp, Michelle Bruyere days away. Penguins first game, Kasperi Captain days away. It is a fun time of the year, Horwat. Get ready for great sports because after two and a half months of just baseball, <laughs> I'm ready for a plethora of other sports to be in. Yikes, just baseball. Yeah, I had my first uh, fantasy football draft the other day and, uh, sorry, last week, and was given the worst grade of the of the league. So, Atta, kid. the Cinderella story is on. I'm apparently supposed to have predicted to have a 1 in 13 record. Who did you? I'm, we're gonna have to discuss this after the show. I need to know I, who you draft first and foremost. Who was your first pick? Because when we did it, the last snake draft we did, you picked Tom Barrasso as your first pick, and you ended up getting washed out in the voting. We, who was your first pick in fantasy football? We had the eighth pick, eighth, seventh, or eighth pick, and we were down okay. to Najee Harris. You took Najee Harris in the first round. Yes, he was. He was like the fifth ranked. Uh, running back and there were all the other four were gone at that point okay uh I, whenever we get off of here i can show you i tweeted the picture of my yeah. lineup, uh, lineup. I, I i think i saw it but i didn't study it i just saw that basically the whatever fantasy service you're using was like yeah you're gonna suck <laughs> yeah so the cinderella story is on ladies and gentlemen there, i'll be sure to keep everybody updated over the next 15 weeks all righty well uh, i'm gonna move over to call outs here because we are running out of time on this episode it's a light call-out week for me. I'm not very passionate about this. Like, I'm not very angered. Usually, I think of something during the week. I'm like, yeah, that's my call-out. Didn't happen. Like, this one I, I had thought about earlier, but I'm not really passionate about. Calling out movies for being re-released in theaters. Who does that? Like, who goes to that is, is my question. Like, I understand, like, Avatar did it simply to become the number one world box office in history, whatever again, to pass one of the Marvel movies, one of the Avengers movies. Is the cinema industry that dead where the biggest event of the fall is the re-release of Spider-Man No Way Home, the more fun edition? I am one of the biggest Marvel fans. You know this, Warwatt, and most people listening know this. I love Marvel. I usually watch, like, I'm going to get off this call, 
take my cat to the vet and probably watch She-Hulk episode three at some point here. But why am I going to pay $15 for like 12 minutes of added footage to see the same movie basically with 12 minutes of that? That's it. That's the only difference. They added 12 minutes probably of Spider-Man swinging around with, you know, I was going to say spoiler alert. It's been 10 months with the other two Spider-Man. Like that's, that's what you're going to get. But like, I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, this is, like I said, I'm not going to die on this hill. I think it's, it's, Lazy, I, I think it's also just the theater industry being like, we're pretty dead. Let's try anything to get anything going. Uh, I understood it, though, immediately after the pandemic. That's my one caveat because no movies had come out because production was halted. So they re-released, like, The Godfather in theaters. All these great Jaws was re-released. I understood that because there wasn't content and they had been shut down for so long, they needed to get back out as soon as they were, you know, legally able to. So I got it in that instance. But, like, the Avatar re-release 10 years later, the, the you know, people saying, oh, Avengers is going to re-release. Why? I don't usually see movies twice in theaters. I know there's people that do during the initial run. I would not go out to see it 12 months later after I've seen it three times already. Right. So that's what I was going to ask you. I'm glad you brought up, like, The Godfather and Jaws. I get where you're coming from with the releases of stuff that came out within a year ago or within the last five what about the certified classics that maybe the theater's doing like a classic movie weekend where okay maybe not weekend a classic well, movie monday tuesday wednesday where hey a couple of the a couple of the theaters going to be sectioned off and we're going to show only movies that are certified hood classics like jaws back to the future godfather goodfellas all of those things gone with the wind yeah etc and, and i've seen that before and that's like things that individual theaters do but i mean the, like these these national, national or international re-releases of theaters that they're expecting everybody to be talking about and dominating media for like a week or two weeks it's like that makes no sense to me okay yeah that's that was kind of but, my thought process of it because yeah that is dumb like i don't go to I don't go see movies that often in the theaters either. I used to be like our buddy Ballard who won a year. That was it. And <laughs> I don't even do that that very that I don't even do that very often. I just happened to see Elvis in theaters not too long ago, but that was it. That's probably the first time I'd been in a theater in years. Yeah, no, I, I am a, somebody who likes to go to the theaters. I think it's ridiculously overpriced. I think they're doing something this Saturday at AMC where it's like, oh, $5 tickets or $3 tickets, $5 for popcorn and, and soda. I'm like, you mean what it should be, but okay. But 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 yeah, no, it's expensive, but I still do it like probably three or four times a year, five times a year, depending on how many good movies are out. I know I've gone to one a month for the past like three months. So, you know, I, I think that there's still, I, I think it's sad that the theater industry is going where it's at, the cinema industry, but I also think that stuff like this is just, you know, it's cheapening the experience, not to mention the fact that the experience has already been cheapened by prices and the fact that, like, I could go into a real rabbit hole about the AMC where I live because it is awful. But I'll let you finish this off with your callouts before I actually start. I said I'm not going to die on this hill. We're getting into an area where there's a hill I will die on, and I don't want to get there today. It's the way these movie companies have become a monopoly as well. You know, it's like concert selling where or concert ticket selling where they are go go they go through two brands and that is it. There's no no expansion. That being said, we move on. I'm gonna make my call out quick because again we're uh, running out of time and two I don't care too much about this either. But hey, you know what? <laughs> Starbucks released the pumpkin spice latte in August, ladies and gentlemen. First things first, I'm not a pumpkin flavored guy. Secondly, um, the PSL, if you will vastly vastly overrated and overhyped and the fact that it was out in august it was 90 degrees the other day <laughs> and there were people drinking pumpkin spice lattes that has to be so uncomfortable the i mean the only time the pumpkin flavored is acceptable is never in my eyes so <laughs> uh, at least let it wait until fall or autumn if you will rolls around because i don't know i, I mean again i'm not dying on this hill i don't care I, just because I'm not going to buy one, so it doesn't bother me. But it's weird. It's yeah. It was August. Happy September, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, two things. It's not even Labor Day yet, which is the unofficial end of summer. Like, pools are still open. Like you mentioned, it was 90 degrees there. It is 90 degrees with 90% humidity every day in D.C. still. So, like, I don't want to hear it's fall because it's not. It's 64 degrees in Pittsburgh right now but as we record this, but... And two... You're really being brave going against pumpkin spice lattes on a medium that is presented as always. 
by InsideThePenguins.com, where our boss, Noah, is a major fan of the pumpkin spice latte. So uh, I will. your job might be in jeopardy today I, I will, going against the PSL. I will be the heel in this situation. I don't care. I will talk all of the nonsense if I need to. I have strong opinions about food and drink, okay? Okay, well, we'll have to invite Noah on to another episode to, like, to, to combat you. Maybe, like, next week's shout-outs and call-outs is Noah coming back to say, Hey, Horwat, you can you can kick sand and pound dirt because PSLs are great any time of the year. That's what he'll say. Personally, I don't, I don't think I've spent more than $10 in my lifetime at Starbucks, Ugh. and that could be, like, one order. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. I, I understand people getting too anxious for seasons before they happen. I do it every year with Christmas songs. So I, I understand you and your feeling. I can sympathize and empathize, but I don't quite share the same thing because I honestly don't care. And I know you said you don't either. No, I really don't. But it just it just gets annoying whenever <laughs> it is that early. Like like Christmas music before Thanksgiving bothers me. I'm sure that'll be my call out in a few months. Uh, but also, it is every year. It is every year. But also... That'll be the third time. Just keep the tradition rolling. Uh, but also, like, people are getting excited about fall way too early because I had a few co-workers at State G talk about how they were going Halloween shopping for not just for, like, costumes, but for decorations after work or the next day. And I thought that's – it's it's August, guys. It's uh, it's warm. You got, you got two months to Halloween shop. Not that I even – I don't even decorate for Halloween. I mean, my fiancé will. But I don't think about decorating for Halloween. But then again, I only think about decorating for Christmas, so that that's where I am in that camp. But we're going down a rabbit hole real get quickly here. <laughs> here. Let's get out of here for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in to this. I guess the, the beginning was good. The beginning of this episode was great. Thank you for if you made it to this point for for hanging on to this point. But that's it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We'll be back on Monday with maybe a segment that we've been trying to get into a show for the past two weeks that just keeps getting pushed back. But we're fine with that. More news, the merrier. We'll see you guys on Monday. Have a great holiday weekend, Penguins fans. Enjoy Labor Day. You can follow the hosts on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You could also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com.